Amen. Good morning. Can I just say, I am so glad you're here. I am so glad that you are here today. I want to let you know that you are loved. You're cared. You've been prayed for. We love you. I love you. And um, that, the Lord just wanted me to share that with you because he loves you. And uh, don't forget that. So I'm glad you're here. Welcome. I, I, the Lord, we're going to do something a little different. I did this in first service, and I wasn't for sure if I was going to do it in second service because I wasn't feeling, but I really believe this is what the Lord wants to kind of address at the beginning. But before I go into that, I'm going to just open up in prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence that just met with us today. How powerful you are. Thank you that you would just come and be with us and us with you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you are activating things in our hearts and in our minds. And anything that doesn't belong here, we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Any strongholds, anything that's keeping us from thinking correctly, confusion, um, hardened hearts, we rebuke that in the name of Jesus. We ask that your heart, uh, that our hearts should begin to hear the things that you need us to hear and that we can just do exactly what you're wanting us to do this morning. We just give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. As I began to prepare this message, the Lord quickened me that there is maybe one or two people, maybe both service, maybe not, that some of you, there might be a person that is, that this is their last leg in coming to church, that they are going to end their lives today. If, and that you might be in this room, maybe you might be on the live stream, but I do believe that God wants you to know that he loves you, that he hears you. And that he sees you. So we're going to pray for that person. So in the name of Jesus, we just come in an agreement. We come against a spirit of suicide. You must leave in the name of Jesus. You see how the enemy would like to take him out. But Father, you already knew. You already see. And Lord, we thank you for freedom for that person in the name of Jesus. Or persons, you know who they are. So Holy Spirit, just send your love, send your grace to them right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There is freedom in the Lord. There is hope in the Lord. And if, if you're dealing with that, let me let you know there is life after tomorrow. The sun will rise again. God wants you to know that he is the hope that you have been seeking for. As we're going in to the sermon the Lord is coming soon. He is coming. He is hastening his return. And you can see it. All you have to do is watch the news. All you have to do is get on Facebook. All you have to do is get on Instagram. And last service, I didn't mention this. I wish I would have. All you got to do is get on TikTok. There's a thing called witch talk where you go on TikTok and you can look up witch talk and you can see, get tarot card readings. You can do all kinds of things. It's, it's there. The devil is not hiding anymore. It's very open. He doesn't care because he knows that his time is short. All you got to do is listen to the music. Listen. See what's coming out there. It's very demonic, some of the stuff that's coming out. Even a thing is Follow your heart. That's the mantra of the day. What is your heart telling you? The word of God says in Jeremiah 17:9, it says that your heart is deceitful above all else. Who can understand it? 
It's deceitful. We cannot trust our heart. We trust the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 5, 20 and 21, it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Who do we know that are wise in their own eyes? This is a day and age where good is bad and bad is good. Because the enemy knows his time is short, so it's becoming more and more and more evident. He doesn't care. He wants you in hell at all costs. He wants your children. He wants your spouse. He wants your friends. He wants your family. He wants you in hell, and he's going to do whatever it takes. And not only that, he's going to make your life hell on earth while you're in the process. That is the will of the devil. But the will of the Father is life and life abundantly. Not only in heaven, but here on earth. The times are changing. Things are happening at the schools. Permian High School, a, a gun was brought to school. Shut down the whole school. Odessa High School, somebody was stabbed. This just happened the last couple. School just started, guys. The enemy wants your children. He wants your life. But don't worry, God's got a plan in all this. So today's sermon is preparing the way of the Lord. God is calling us to prepare the way of the Lord. God is calling us to prepare the way of the Lord. In Isaiah, he prophesied of Jesus' coming in Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 40, he prophesied, I'm sorry, yeah, in Isaiah 40, that there would be a forerunner that would go before. So in Isaiah 40, verse 3, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The even ground shall become level and the rough place is a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So there's always a forerunner in the way that things happen in life. So who is the forerunner? The forerunner is John the Baptist. John the Baptist helped prepare the way of the Lord and was prophesied in the book of Isaiah. So... John the Baptist, I, will, I made this comment in first service, just so that you know, John the Baptist was not a Baptist. Yeah, you can laugh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, Mary was not a Catholic, and Jesus was not a Christian. They were all Jewish. They did start the Christian faith, praise God, right? But they were all Jewish. So it just kind of put things into perspective of our westernized mentality and thinking. This is an Eastern book, okay? I'm not going to go that way. That's not the right, okay. Um, so the forerunner was John the Baptist. So let's take a look at John, um, I mean Mark chapter 1, verse 1. So we're going to be kind of looking at John's life and how he prepared the way of the Lord. In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. 
the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared baptizing the wilderness, in the wilderness and proclaiming baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. You have to understand that in those days, repentance and confession of sins was done through sacrifice. You would sacrifice an animal. So John was before his time. He was very prophetic. He was seeing into the spirit, seeing that there was one mightier than I, that I, whose shoes I cannot even unlatch. He said, there's somebody that's coming, and he's going to be forgiveness of sins through baptism, full immersion. In the Jewish culture, they would do something called mikvah, where they would go immerse themselves in water and cleanse themselves spiritually, and uh, phys- not necessarily physically, but spiritually, and then they would go into the temple And women would do that as well. So there was a form of immersion of baptism, but not necessarily for that of sins, confession, and remission of sins. So this was, John was before his time. So then people, not only that, then now John was clothed with camel's hair, wore a leather belt around his waist, and ate locusts and wild honey. Actually, I skipped something. Sorry, guys. Verse 5. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now Jordan, now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locust and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me, he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So John began to talk about this message where you're going to be baptized, you're going to be emerged, but don't worry, there's one greater than I, and he's going to give you the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be baptized in fire. That's the book of Acts, but he was, remember, he's a forerunner. He's preparing the way of the Lord. You know, as a kid, I always liked this guy. He's like, man, he's out in the wilderness. Anybody that knows me, I can be a little strong personality. Um, and so it's like, man, this guy, he's really going for it. He's just declaring the way of the Lord. He's crying in the wilderness. He's out doing his own thing, living the life, you know. And so I always thought that this that he was pretty cool. So we're going to go on into, the, into John's baptism. Let's, let's talk about that. In John 9, Mark 9, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came out up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So John was baptizing people and so finally Jesus finally came onto the scene and, he was, and then Jesus was baptized. So I really thought that was so cool that Jesus was baptized. So that means we need to be baptized. So even Jesus did it. So John, so let's jump on to, so after Jesus was baptized, um, John, well, unfortunately, now John was arrested. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. So first, John was declaring, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And then Jesus is finally able to say, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and receive the gospel, believe in the gospel. 
So you see how John was a forerunner, and unfortunately, John was so outspoken, um, he was arrested because he told the ruler of the time, hey, you can't marry your brother's wife as your second wife. So he got arrested. So John, that's how his life went because he was just calling people out because he was calling out like it is what he saw in the spirit. So John, so let's go to Luke 1, 75. I'm sorry, whoa, I'm jumping around. Sorry, you guys over there in the back. (laughs) Um, So let's take a look at a Mark, uh, no, 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 sorry. So, so we're talking about John and how he is a forerunner. And what is a forerunner? A forerunner is one that goes before and announces the coming of another. One that goes before and announces the coming of another. So John was that forerunner, and God is calling each and every one of you to be a forerunner for Jesus, preparing the way and making, God's, making the way straight so that people can come to know who Jesus is. Let's take a look a little bit about John's life. Let's, let's take a look at that. In Luke 1, so in Luke, it begins off with Zechariah. That's his John's father. He was a priest in the temple, and his wife was Elizabeth. They were old of age, and they couldn't have children. But he would, Zechariah prayed, and he prayed in the temple, and then all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord, Gabriel, came and said, hey, you're going to have a baby. And he's like, are you kidding? This is crazy. Like, we're old. This doesn't make sense, but okay. So because he didn't believe the angel, the Lord made his mouth mute, and he couldn't talk. So he, so, so then he went out and found Mary, Elizabeth. Sure enough, Elizabeth became pregnant. And so if you, in this story, if, you're, if you read the Gospel of Luke, that's also known as the Christmas story, right? So Mary goes and sees Elizabeth and says, Elizabeth, I'm pregnant with the Messiah. I was told by the angel Gabriel that I'm going to have this baby. And as soon as she said that, the baby within Elizabeth leaped and was filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you need to pray for your babies in the womb that they receive the Holy Spirit. Some of you need to prophesy and pray over your children that they may receive the Holy Spirit. One, two, three, doesn't matter. You pray over them. Pray that the Holy Spirit would fill them from a young age. So that's where we pick up in Luke 13, I mean Luke 1, 13. And I read what I just explained. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah, for your prayers have been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. We need to take this on for ourselves. That the people that we go before, that those that sit in the darkness will be made turn into light. With those that are young, that the hearts of the fathers return to that of the children and vice versa. And also the Lord is wanting us to those that are disobedient to wisdom, that we are making them ready for the Lord. The Lord is calling us to do that. And I would like to speak to that, that, you know, some of the, in this generation, 
the younger generation disrespects the older. But you know what? I'll be honest. It's vice versa. It's happening back and forth. And that is the heart of the Father that we be united and turn. Some of you older people need to find you some young people and talk to them. And don't worry. They may not hear it at first, but keep it going. Keep talking to them. But some of you younger people need to find an older person and shut up. Listen, listen, there's wisdom in gray hair. It's a scripture. Listen to what the Lord is saying. I promise you, I know young people, I was a youth pastor for a long time, so this is for you too. I see squirming in the pews over there, in the chairs. <laughs> That's okay. But the Lord, this is a prophetic word that we need to grasp, grasp a hold of. Find you somebody young and find you somebody old. Let's let the Lord bring us together. So, uh, there's my daughter. She's crying. Sorry, Lord bless her in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I do have a three-month-old over there. <laughs> yes, someone, it's okay. Everybody, they're, they're praying. They're prophesying into it. She's going to find an old person, too. <laughs> so, John prepared the way of the Lord to make his path straight. So, God is calling you to make his path straight for somebody else. God is calling you to be a forerunner, to be a forerunner of the gospel of Jesus. So how do we do this? What is this? Who is God calling you to be a forerunner for? Who is God calling you to be a forerunner for? Well, there's going to be different. God has called everyone. And actually, let's take a look at a scripture, John 3, 16. Let's take a look at that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So who are you called to? The world. But I'm going to get a little more specific because some of us need some specifics in our life, right? So God has called everyone to be a forerunner in their sphere of influence. God is calling everyone to be in their sphere of influence. What does that mean? Whoever you come in contact with, whoever is in your world, God wants you to minister to them. So I'm going to talk to the millennials in the room. Well, I don't got no friends. I'm such a loner. I don't know anybody. Well, get you somebody. There's one person. Talk to them about the gospel. Or maybe like, oh, well, I don't know. Get you on Facebook. Get on TikTok. Get on Instagram. Share the gospel there, because you have friends there, I promise, or else you wouldn't be posting for yourself. <laughs> there are friends there. So get on there. Share the gospel with them, because in your sphere of influence, you can. Another, another sphere of influence is when you go to the store, when you're standing in line at the grocery store. You're about to check out, and there's somebody in front of you, somebody behind you. Say, hey, I like your shirt. You know what? Can I tell you that God loves you? How easy is that? That's easy. The, within your sphere of influence, you can share the gospel and be a forerunner for them. So let's be specific. Number one, children. Children. If you are a parent, that is your number one job priority is your children. You cannot gain the whole world and lose your children to the world. Your children are your number one priority. Bring them to church. Show them how to serve Jesus. Make sure that you're living a life that they're going to want to follow. 
That's what, I, that's what we've seen. And sometimes we've seen pastors' kids that they, they go, you know, they see their fathers and parents and they don't, they're not living it at home and then they go off wild. But don't worry, it's not just pastors' kids either. It's people that attend church. And they don't want to attend church because they're not making it look fun. They're not looking, making it look like, man, this is awesome. Make it look fun. Make it look awesome because it is. I know my parents, they made sure they were my forerunners for me to receive Jesus. If it wasn't for them, I may not even be a believer. They took me to church. They made sure I was reading the Bible. And let me tell you, they didn't ask me if I wanted to go to church. They took me to church. And let me tell you, I wanted to go to church because the way that I saw it, but they, they don't know what they need. You know what they need. You are their parents. Taking children to church, making sure they're reading the Bible. We've got an amazing kids program. Take them there. We have, we're take the youth. They went to an amazing conference this past week. And let me tell you, it wasn't just fun and games. They prayed all day, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. It wasn't, oh, we're going to play a game here. We're going to go over here. Oh, fun. They prayed the whole day because those parents that sent them and whoever else, you know, they were making sure that their parents, their kids are receiving Jesus. Now, let me tell you a little bit about my story. My parents were my forerunners in my faith. At the age of seven years old, um, I received the gift of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, and then shortly after that, I was baptized at the age of seven years old. And, you know, seven-year-olds, their life is so rough. (laughs) I didn't go through a whole lot at seven years old. But as I got older, it's always that 15, 16, 17. Y'all parents know what I'm talking about. 15, 16, 17. That's when the enemy found the open door in my life. I went through a very dark season at that age. I began, I, I would think about my future, and it was black. I didn't think I had a future. I didn't think I had a place to go. I didn't think that God had a plan for my life. And then all of a sudden, it's like things started piling up on me. I mean, I don't know why, how, I mean, looking back, I'm thinking, man, well, I was an all-star volleyball player. I, back then, I was a first-degree black belt. I eventually became a second degree. I played classical piano for 10 years. I had everything going for me. I had friends. I, everything was going for me. My school came and it piled up on me, and I felt so dark, and I just, like, I couldn't. There was no hope. Uh, when it comes to depression and suicide, the reason why people go through that and the reason why children go through that, they feel like there is no hope. That is the number one thing, that there is no hope, that there is no way out. So I went through a time of depression and suicide. I remember thinking, I don't want to live anymore. This is not worth it. Why am I alive? I just kind of, all these things just go through my head. And then I remember one night, there was one night that I was, I was going to end it. This small voice told me, hey, why don't you do it. I had my plan. I had everything ready to go. I didn't care. I didn't care who it hurt. I didn't care what it did. I didn't care because I was tired. And I remember trying to get up and I couldn't. I couldn't get up. And later on, and so I remember telling the Lord, God, you know what? You better fix this. <laughs> I told him, I told God, you better fix this. I'm tired of trying. I'm tired of living. I'm tired of doing you need to do something because I can't do anything anymore. And that is what the Lord needed to hear from me. And so slowly but surely, five months later, the Lord brought me out 
of that depression and suicide. And I'm alive today to tell you that there is life after tomorrow, that God has a plan for your life. Did you know that suicide is a very high rate today in this generation? Generation Z, there's a lot of, that's a, that's a big hot topic. You ask any teenager, they're going to tell you that's a real deal. Mental thing, that's, that's real. Parents, pray for your children. My mom knew I was going through this. She knew, but she said, you know what, God? I already gave her all that she needed, she needed to know about Jesus. I'm going to pray for her. She knew that I had to come to the end of myself to fall on my knees before Jesus. She knew that I, that I knew where to go. Parents, do your kids know where they need to go? And I'm sorry, it's not to you. They don't want to hear from you. I didn't want to hear from my mom or dad. I needed to hear from Jesus. Jesus is much better voice than you are. Jesus is a much better voice than your pastors, than the mentors. Jesus was my answer. And let me tell you, this is what the Holy Spirit told me. Elsa, I didn't even know that that was suicide and depression. I had no clue what that was about. And the Lord says, you know, you know what that was? You went through depression and suicide. And I go, me, Lord? <laughs> I didn't know. And the Lord says, you want to know why you couldn't do it? You couldn't kill yourself? Because I protected you. The Lord told me that five, five, six months later. Parents, pray for your children. And my parents were the forerunners in my faith. Had I not given myself to Jesus at the age of seven, I would not have had the tools or the authority to tell the devil to leave at the age of 16. You have, for you parents, you have to be the forerunners for your children. The devil wants your children. If not, look at your children's phone on TikTok. I dare you. And you think I'm kidding. I'm not. Some of you need to look at your friends, your children. Oh, man, I didn't even do this first message. This is the Lord right now. The Lord's stirring things up. Look at your children's phones. You need to look at their text, who they're texting, what, what they're texting. Not my mijo. Yes, you're a mijo. Remember, I, I didn't share this. I was a youth pastor for eight years, and trust me, I know your mijos and mijas and all your children. They are not who they say they are. Look at that. This is the, that's the word of the Lord. Be careful what your toddlers are watching. There's very demonic things disguising as light that they're watching and putting into their spirits. Watch it because the devil wants your children. He wants my three-month-old. He wants your two-year-old, your five-year-old, your 16-year-old, your 30-year-old. You have to come in agreement and stand and say, no, devil, these are my children. I am their forerunner. They will be made straight in the way of the Lord. What does it take? And so, man, I'm going to go on to this too. And we're going to pray for this at the end. Maybe some of you said it's too late. My children are older. I want you to pray for them. Send them scriptures. Send them messages. Or maybe they're so much out of your life, maybe you need to join the children's ministry and sow into them so that you can reap the harvest of your children's salvation. 
I'm telling you, children's ministry is where it's at. I love it. Okay. Children, train them up in the way they should go, and they will not depart when they grow old. Who else do, who is in our sphere of influence? Our friends and our family. We know we have friends and family that they've heard the gospel. Maybe they haven't. Maybe it's up to you to, let, to tell them who Jesus is. Are you living in a way that's making their path straight so that they can hear from the Lord? Your friend, do they know that you serve Jesus? Oof, think about that. Is your life living in a way that shows that you serve Jesus? The Lord is calling you to be a forerunner for them. And of course, the Lord's calling you to be a forerunner for the world. The world. Who is that? Maybe the Lord might call you to go to, to Africa and share the gospel. Or maybe the Lord might call you to Hawaii to share the gospel. <laughs> and actually, it's true because it's actually true. I know people that go to Hawaii to share the gospel. Um, I had a friend of mine living in Midland. The Lord stirred her heart, her heart up for Turkey. And next thing you know, she was fighting it. She was fighting it, going to, about to get her degree. And the Lord said, no, I'm calling you to Turkey. She went to Turkey. She's a missionary in Turkey right now. The Lord might call you, but the reality is that's not for everybody. Your reality and your mission field is where you work, where you shop, where you go, and what you do. That is your sphere of influence. The time is too short. The reason why, and this is very practical teachings today. Why? Because practical is what's needed in this hour. We need to be practical in how we're sharing the gospel with our friends and family and our children. That's what needs to happen. So how do we become a forerunner? How does that look like? What does that look like? Well, read your Bible. That's how. This is what, like I said, this is practical things. Read your Bible. And if you don't read, don't like to read, don't know how to read, I'm sorry, that is a real deal this age. If this, listen to the word. Thank God for modern technology because you can download the Bible app and you can listen to it. In Hebrews 4, 12, no. Oh. I'm going to read it from there. For the word of the Lord, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing in the division of soul and a spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts, the intentions of the heart. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. When fear starts to come in and you say, uh-uh, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, fear, you have got to leave. It is that easy. You tell it to leave. That's why we need to know the word of God. Two, we need to pray. Pray. Speak in tongues. Tongues is very powerful because the enemy can't understand tongues. You got to pray into the spirit. You got to pray. Pray in English, that's fine. Pray in Spanish, whatever language. Pray. Because that brings strategy in the air and it fights against the enemy. And Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. And so what does that mean? Maybe in your head, you walk in, you're like, oh, God, Lord, help me today. It's going to be a rough day today. Or, God, it's going to be a good day today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. Oh, God, man, they're so annoying. Oh, help me, Lord. Or <laughs> God wants to hear it all. He wants to hear it all because he wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have communion. He wants to know what you think. He wants to know what you love. But guess what? We, need to, we should know, want to know what God loves. We want to know what God hates. Pray without ceasing. Pray in the spirit. Also, be a giver. 
not only of your time, but also of your money. Let's read in Second Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or compulsion, for the God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. This is something me and my, one of my best friends, we, we, we love to tithe. We talk about tithing all the time with each other. Like, man, God bless me. It's because I'm a tither. It's because I tithe. God bless me with this. It's because I tithe. I tell you, I love tithing because it silences the devourer on our behalf. If you look at Malachi, that's what the word says. When you tithe and you sow in, it silences the enemy on your behalf. You got to sow. You walk with the Lord. You talk to the Lord about it. But this is, this is how we become a forerunner. And also, not only of money, but also of our time. How are we giving to people? Also, four, share the gospel. Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19. And it says, And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God is calling us all. Oh, but I'm not a pastor. It doesn't matter. God's calling you to share the gospel because there's people that I'm not going to know that you know that need Jesus. You know people, I know people that you don't know, and you know people that I don't know. God is calling us that we share it with our friends and family. So let's pray into this. We're going to pray. If, if you are wanting to become, uh, if you, okay, close your eyes. There we go. Let's do that. Close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> 